keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs. These are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. Boom. What is going on, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping a reel. <laughs> That's the perfect opening to Rob. Hey, I'm just saying, if you watched the Brian Barczyk video from the Durham show, you saw that Reptile Talk hat on a Brian Barczyk video. <laughs> I'm just saying. That that means Rob is famous and our hat is famous because it was on a Barczyk video. That's what that means, isn't it? Isn't that? That's what it this means. This is like my third Barczyk video. Oh, uh-oh. Friggin' celebrity, celebrity over here. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> so what's good, man? How you doing? I'm chilling, man. It's been a it's been a day to bust ass in the in the snake room. Just get a whole bunch of things cleaned and uh, pair up some stuff, and yeah, been the usual. <laughs> How about you? Uh, today was my day off, so I just hung out and when went to the furniture store with Kristen to pick out some furniture and went grocery shopping and then came back home. Hey, I dig that. Not very reptile of me, but... <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. I do um, think that my Ocelot Jungle Jag just ovulated, though, so... Hey, that's right. That is right. Um, okay, so before we even talk about who our guest is, I want to just throw this in there. Mitch McLean, 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 hopefully I'm saying this right, uh, with the Super Chat to kick it off. We appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm super stoked about tonight's episode, um, because if, if you don't know who this person is, you have been living under a rock for a really long period of time, or you started getting into reptiles when he was living life, not doing reptiles as much, but regardless, <laughs> I'm super excited to talk with Matt tonight. Um, before I bring him on, I do just because it's already been mentioned in the comments, um, I want to bring up uh, the latest U.S. ARC alert. Um, it is a federal alert, which means it affects all of us. Um, and it's a Lacey Act amendment that is being shoved in a very large bill. Um, <clears throat> but basically, it would reverse the, uh, the federal lawsuit that we won protecting uh, our ability to transport large constrictor snakes uh, over state lines for shipping and, and all that stuff. Um, it would reverse that. Um, so please go to usarc.org read about that um, you can find the alert all over their social media um, I'm sure within the next few weeks we'll end up doing another podcast with Bill because uh, if this is this is how January's going we're, uh, we're definitely going to be wanting to talk with him a bit more so we know what's going on so now that that's out of the way everybody checking us out on YouTube and Facebook thank you so much as always feel free to drop us a super chat ask a question just sh make a shout out I don't know whatever as long as it's not too obscene we'll read it live and uh, yeah without further ado we're gonna bring Matt on here to talk about you know African fat tail geckos I think it is what's up dude <laughs> what's up man actually How's i did read african fat tails for a while so oh so perfect uh, so we're good yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so we're good I, I can definitely um you know t talk about that a little bit um no everything is Heck good yeah. um it's been a 
crazy year so far um, that we can talk a little bit about since actually it came out today. So um, that'll be cool. And one of the reasons why I got to see Rob again for the first time in a while. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, so let's do this. Heck yeah. So, okay. So before we dive into the really juicy stuff that we definitely want to talk about, um, for those of you who might not know who Matt is, we're going to have Matt tell you who he is besides Matt. Because you already know that his name is Matt. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh, that, that, that one's difficult. Um, all right. So basically, <laughs> who I, are I, you? I, I used to do leopard geckos on a, on a large scale and created a lot of first of their kinds in the world. Um, had some signature lines, stuff like that, um, before some stuff went a little bit sideways. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been you know, keeping reptiles for a long time, probably close to 20 years now. Um, started working at a pet store whenever I was little, just like, or not little, but whenever I was a teenager. Um, and, you know, stuff kind of grew from there. Um, and it's been a really cool ride. Got to meet some really cool people along the way. Have some really good friends like you two. Um, and, you know, do a bunch of different things with reptiles not just in the private sector but in the aza community as well so it's been fun it's been fun you're one of the few that is, has been able to reach both sides of the aisle there the aza community and the private sector that's, that's usually yeah a it's, uh, it's yeah it's usually a no-no um and it's <laughs> it definitely from my standpoint it's it is hard to get into certain um accredited zoos because of um what i did in the private sector um so it it is very interesting um you definitely and and this isn't like all aza zoos because there's some really you know great people at aza zoos that are really um uh okay with the private sector um actually uh where we were just at a virginia zoo um you know uh he was he was very gracious and showing us around and um it was it was awesome and I, i i wish that you know more AZA accredited facilities and keepers would work with the private sector more and vice versa. Um, I'm not saying all the private sector people, because we all know that there's some that shouldn't work with um, <laughs> zoos. But Rob, Rob's, uh, look, Rob's look was just like, berm people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but the thing with private sector people is like, they usually fall in love with one species and they know everything there is to know about that species. And you know, the the AZA sector just can't do that because they have to have an eclectic collection and they don't get to specialize a lot of the time. Um, so I think if the two could work together, like a lot of things could be done, um, even in like laws and uh, regulations and stuff like that. Um, it would be it would behoove both of them to work together, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bam. OK, so. I want to, and I know you've probably talked about this a million times, but the Clown Leopard Gecko Project, when I I was growing up, and and the G Project, right, when when I was growing up and going to the White Plains shows and you just had this huge spread of crazy leopard geckos, I just remember, like, not even wanting to talk to you because I was like, I don't know what to say other than, like, that's a bitchin' gecko, bro. (laughs) 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 And then was afraid to know the price tag. But uh, so that that project, I mean, 
I think anybody who's if, if you don't know what the, the clown project or the G project uh, is with leopard geckos, you should Google it. Take a look at some of those pictures. Um, realize that those are like Matt's animals. Look at that. Look at that Adeline Ready. image. Yeah. <laughs> um, that yeah, so is where, the... where did that project kind of like come from? So you have to take it back. So it was basically there was the G project first and then the cloud project. Um, They are two separate things, but they um, it's kind of like in ball pythons, how, you know, everybody's trying to make combinations of all the different crazy stuff. It it was basically, you know, combinations along the way that made both of them. Um, So basically it all originated with my mentor, Alberto. Um, he would get stuff from Ron Tremper and then kind of handpick what he wanted, sell the rest. And then he was working on a few projects that were like high color, um, the, the jungle giants, um, or was his thing. And basically along the way, he was trying to create a solid orange gecko without using hypo. Um, and he started throwing in like red stripe and jungle giants and basically made what's considered a patternless stripe or a rainbow stripe. And from those animals is kind of where like the G project kind of started. Um, and that um, project that he was doing actually um, turned out that we kind of reverse engineered the, the raptors and the eclipses as well. Um, so it basically went from like jungle giants, red stripes into this like milk, like melting pot of all these different like polygenetic genetics. And from there, I kind of selectively bred out to make the G project, which, you know, a lot of people like at first thought that it meant green. It actually didn't. Um, it was kind of a play on um, uh, old Gatorade commercial whenever Gatorade uh-huh. went to just being G instead of Gatorade. Um, and I was like, that's kind of cool. They just like made it a letter instead of like this name. So that's why it just was G. And it didn't mean green, but it it actually was kind of like Gatorade in a way where there's all these different flavors and stuff like that. I just thought it would be like kind of a cool selling point um, that you could literally take this project and go in 15 million directions with it. And then, um, you know, it, it kind of became a signature thing for me to have those. And then like any other thing that's polygenetic, people get it, they outcross it, they bastardize it. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't even want to work on my own project anymore because, like, um, you know, everybody's trying to sell these G project animals that really aren't, like, even related to mine. Um, so that's whenever um, the project kind of went in a couple different directions. There was more high contrast ones. And then those ones were crossed into, like, electric line animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is where the clown project actually came from. So, a little bit more backstory. My friend Alberto um, kind of had a falling out with another gecko person at the time. Um, not really going to name her name, um, but she was in charge of one of the, you know, the gecko for well gecko forums back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I working with these animals knew how some of the genetics worked, and the people on that forum didn't agree so much with what I discovered. Um, and you know, that always, it, you know, you thought you think Facebook groups are bad, but like back then it was even worse. Cause it's like a website and the people that controlled the website controlled the narrative of what was going on. So, yeah. um, at one point I literally told them they could all kiss my ass and literally showed a picture of my bare ass on there and I was banned for life. Um, so 
that's, that's how a lot of this started. Um, so, yeah. Freaking mic drop. <laughs> so, yeah, bam. And I was like, all right, well, I just burned that bridge pretty fucking hard. Um, how am I going to market myself whenever I'm creating all these first of their kinds in the world? How am I going to release them and stuff like that? Um, so I went to, um, you know, social media and other ways, um, saw what Barcheck was doing with YouTube. I was like, wonder if people would want to watch me just clean gecko shit. And that turned into the YouTube channel that, you know, got a lot of popularity. Um, and you know, people still come up to me today and be like, you know, your videos are the reason why I got into leopard geckos. And then, you know, that's, that's a really cool thing for me. Um, because it's, it's kind of like, you know, that legacy part that, um, I was kind of one of the original pioneers in leopard geckos to, to make it into different social media platforms. Um, and, you know, I was the first and probably only guy to not have a traditional website and used Facebook as my website. And, you know, this is back in the day whenever you could actually, um, you know, still sell animals on there and stuff like that. And it's like, right. Why am I going to have a website that I have to pay for and then still direct people to it whenever I can post stuff on Facebook and all of a sudden 20,000 people can see it? Um, so it was kind of using the technology that was out there at the time to create all this stuff. So now we go back into how the clown project was, you know, invented, if you will, or came about. Um, like I said, I had these. Um, you know, more bold patterned uh, G project cross things. Um, and from there, I cl crossed an electric mail into those, kind of got like these weird looking animals. Um, and I was like, there's something here that I could actually work on, um, you know, added some bold stripe to it. So the original electric mail um, was actually named um, FK, which stood for fuck the person's name. Um, and <laughs> it was... Like, that was one of those things that never really was released either um, until, like, later on. Um, and then I was like, well, what the hell am I going to name this thing? And I was like, I was like, I'm going to name it the Clown Project because it rolls off the tongue because and you kind of get it from the ball pythons. It's got the clown, you know, mutation. And I was like, but mine's going to mean something different. And it basically meant um, that I thought the person that I basically took her line and used it against her was a clown so it was basically a play on words of how um i felt about the situation and how i made her line better by um adding other stuff to it that was already from a previous line so that's where the clown project really comes from um and it's funny because everybody's like oh clown project and you know behind the scenes i'm giggling i'm like he 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 like i know what it actually means um and you know with creating a lot of these things um i did get to name a lot of stuff and you know some of the names are plays on words um like whenever ron tremper came out with the the galaxy um that was actually a thing that um, alberto had created four years prior um so whenever i had the same animal plus white and yellow gene to it i called it the universe because a universe is bigger than a galaxy so it was like a play on a play on what he named it to kind of name mine something that, you know, meant something a little bit better. Um, yeah. And I always kind of did that. I was always, you know, into the marketing aspect of how can I, you know, make it coin a term that like makes it a little bit different than what's already out there. And 
you know, that's part of the game, I think, especially whenever you get to a certain level is you got to make that, you know, signature thing that, you know, people could say one word and they're like, oh, that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's why now with the clown project and the reinvent reinvention of it, because technically there's not clown project animals like true ones out there, except for like a male and a female that I have. Um, all the ones that were kind of released and sold were a lot of them were, were crosses. So people took crosses of the project and then kind of made their own thing, but they're still calling them clown in a, in a lot of aspects. Um, so now I'm doing the same thing with animals that I've gotten from certain people that I know are from at least crosses from my original bloodline because I know how it works um, as far as the polygenetic stuff goes with it. And those animals are getting crossed into other things. And um, so now the clown 2.0, um, I did a release that I'm calling it the Joker. Um, the Joker. Which so what you're saying the Joker. is there's lots of drama in the gecko community. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the naming is, you know, due to the the drama of of said um, things. And yeah, and then and then the Joker, it just kind of fits too because like I've I've went through some shit in my life in the past six seven years, and um, the Joker from uh, Suicide Squad, I can really relate to in a lot of ways how he's like fucking demented and crazy and shit, and it just. It just seemed like a cool way to have a 2.0 is like taking something that was cool to begin with and then adding other shit to it to just make it even crazier. Um, so that's where it kind of came from. And like you guys both know, like every time that the Joker is portrayed in a movie, it's it's that person's spin on it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the double meaning of it. And, um, you know, there's, you know, obviously a an, another meaning um, that you know, I won't tell anybody until later. <laughs> we, we got about a we got to have about five years go by and then have him back. It, be like, okay, yeah, exactly, and be like, so, so, what did the Joker really mean? <laughs> and yeah, then I'll tell everybody. Amazing. I want to highlight this comment because it was actually uh, something I was going to bring up already. Is it Josh? Josh Ortiz is in the house. Matt's YouTube videos yeah. were great. Watched them about 10 years ago when I was really into leopard gecko breeding. His collection cleaning video with the shop vac was pretty impressive. Uh, then he continued in another comment and said, I still have no idea how he was that efficient. <laughs> I would have accidentally vacuumed up a couple geckos for sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, I could do, um, I got it down to doing 45 tubs in 30 minutes pretty easily. Which is um, and it, it was insane. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's quick. That's moving. Um, and it was probably even less than 30 minutes, but that's how much I would like give myself mentally. Um, and that's while I'm watching sports center on TV. So half the time I'd be looking up, watching TV and vacuuming and, um, and that's cleaning, watering, feeding, um, and putting them back. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's moving because I have the, you know, the animal plastic 45 tub racks and mm -hmm. yeah, I would go through a rack every, every half an hour pretty easily. Yeah. That's freaking freaking crazy. That's yeah. Crazy. It's a lot of, it's a lot of muscle memory and it's like, a lot of it is too, like you have to have stuff like very close to reach it. Um, so I'd always have, I'm right-handed. So I'd always have the head of the vacuum to my right. And the vacuum was actually on a, um, it was on a switch that was um, a, uh, a power strip. So all I would have to do is I grew, and there was like a, uh, a thing that actually held the, the head of the vacuum 
So as I'm picking it up and coming over to my right, I would actually hit the switch at the same time and that would turn on the vacuum and then I would go blah, 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 blah. And then hit the switch on the way back over as I put it back down. So it was all like one motion. It was, um, and it, yeah, it was just, it's all about efficiency. Whenever like you, you have 2000, 3000 babies, like that you have to take care of, you gotta, you gotta do it quick. Um, so yeah. No leopard geckos were harmed in the making of these videos. <laughs> exactly. Except for that one, except for that one. So, so I have this one video where a gecko falls from a tub from like, you know, maybe six levels up or seven levels up. And I got fucking murdered for it. It was like, oh, yeah. and it landed on like a carpet. Like, you know, I put them back and, I, and dude, you like back have... then I didn't edit anything. So it was like one take and that was it. Yeah, um, dude, that's when so... you should have, you should have used the vacuum. You could have sucked it back up in midair and, and got it right back <laughs> into the tub. <laughs> did, did some like bartender flare stuff where yeah. I just like toss him back up by his tail. He just fucking flops in there and just walks away. Dude, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. Dude, so okay, so fast forward a little bit to to modern modern times, and uh, you're getting back into the leopard gecko thing, and but you've also got a lot of other stuff that you keep. You keep some some varanids, um, some morelia, some chondros. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got you've got quite the diverse collection now. What? Uh, yeah, and, and not, what made don't, you go in don't, that don't direction? Don't forget the monkey tail skinks too. And like the I monkey tail skinks. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a Rob. There's a funny story that I didn't tell you regarding his monkey tail skinks that we'll talk about after. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Involving that I one that you it... got. Oh really? Yeah. You have to tell me about it then too. Well you, well, you already know about it. It's just the way I'm phrasing it might not uh, click. But uh, just regarding with what was told to you versus what actually happened. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I talked to Rob a little bit about that too. Oh so. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we're uh, just monkey tail skinks. I'm up to 20 of them right now, which is uh, a lot for, yeah, for most people that's, that that's yeah. Outside of a zoo, that's probably, you know, probably easily top 10 uh, amount of them in the country, I would think. But you know, monkey tail skink people are kind of weird too, where like you, there could be like a collection out there I just don't know about. Um, but uh, just yeah, so yeah, so it's weird because like a lot of the stuff that I got into that's harder, it, um, it is based on working with stuff at zoos that it was almost like a chip on my shoulder to do it in my own personal collection instead of like at a zoo, if that makes sense. Um, so that, yeah, that's why I have some of the harder stuff. And I think if, if I were able to get babies from emeralds, the green trees, any of my four monitor species and the monkey tails, um, that's a, that's a accomplishment, I think, um, that not too many people could probably say they did. Um, so, you know, that's the goal is eventually be able to, you know, have babies from all four. Um, and then, um, you know, kind of just to say I did, cause, um, you know, I've always been known as a leopard gecko, like breeder and, you know, which was great and all, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, I, I think you guys both want to do this as well. It's like, you want to be known as a good, like herpetologist, like you want to be known as a good reptile keeper and, um, not be known for, 
you know, just one species or anything like that. You guys like want to be a, an all around, you know, good um, reptile keeper. And that that's a lot of my goal for a lot of this stuff is not just to be labeled as a leopard gecko breeder, I guess. Um, so, yeah. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. It's so weird because if you were to just tell people, oh, yeah, well, I breed leopard geckos, a lot of people who keep other stuff might be like, you know, they might feel some type of way about it without if they didn't know you. And then you're like, oh, no, I got McCray and like Persinas and I got monkey tail skinks and other stuff too. It's just, you know, if, if, like with a lot of people, the leopard geckos and some of those easier species will pay the bills. So it's like, you know. Yep. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, and, and I kind of kind of got that whenever I was working with leopard geckos. But it's, you know, whenever I was doing leopard geckos, you got to remember, I, I was doing other things, too. It's just that it wasn't that popular, if you will, because Alberto was uh, really into uh, um, Australian species. So, you know, I've bred uh, four different species of knobtails. I've bred like little diplodactylus stuff like I've bred. Uh, um four different four or five different species of cave geckos um uh some of the frog-eyed geckos uh the fat tails um at one point i had every single mutation of fat tails and then i worked with them for a year and i was like yeah these suck i don't want to work with these anymore <laughs> um so then i got rid of them um and then i actually whenever i sold them um i got enough money to get the hard wiki um and i was the second person in the country to have hard wiki and breed yeah. them so um yeah. so yeah like so that that was cooler than any any fat tail gecko, you know, Zulu, <laughs> Zulu ghost, whatever. Like, it, you know, saying that you were the second one of to produce anything in the U.S. That's that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Damn, that's right. I forgot about you having the hard wiki. Damn. Yeah, because that's that was actually speaking of Brian Barcheck, I actually got to have him come to my house. So, <laughs> listen, he would have oh. came to mine if I wasn't sick with the with the nasties. So <laughs> the nasties. Yeah, but I I was I was on the Snake Bites TV. So like I was way back in the day whenever whoa, I got whoa, to be on it. Whoa, so. buddy. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Me too, but I had a mustache. It was yeah, a different that's true. Time. That's true. It was a different time. We were all different back then. <laughs> yep. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> but uh yeah, that that was always cool because like um known brian for a long time and got to see his transformation over the years and stuff like that and um you know some of the hate like from before might have been like slightly warranted through a, a lens but i think what he's doing now is is fucking amazing um yeah. you know he's he's definitely evolved over the years and like the reptarium's fucking awesome i mean yeah. shout out to the reptarium um <laughs> it's 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 cool as hell and like uh, you know i wish i could have something like that someday um it would be it would be amazing to be able to like teach people and and you know show them that reptiles aren't you know slimy scary things <laughs> yeah. and then unlike AZA zoos be able to get them out so people can actually like you know touch them and <laughs> handle them and stuff so true unlike AZA's, AZA's downfall yeah mm -hmm. yeah exactly it is exactly so yeah so for people who don't know matt's also the reason why brian barchek went through a leopard gecko phase that has lasted many years still still going through <laughs> a leopard gecko phase. <laughs> that was all because of this guy right here <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. that was how many 
how many leopard geckos did you did you start him off with? Because I know all of a sudden he went from like I think I might you know get a box of leopard geckos to suddenly having like two thousand breeding leopard geckos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the so it was like I'm pretty sure it was like a Tinley Park show that like because whenever I used to do Tinley, I, like living in Pennsylvania, I would just drive to Barchek's place, stay overnight with him, and then the next morning we would all go to Tinley together. Um, and you know, it was one of those things. I think I took a bunch of them to Tinley with me. Um, and I think it was right around the time that I was like getting ready to move or something. It might've been the year before. Um, but I think it was right around the time I was getting ready to move and I was downsizing anyway. And mm. you know, it, most people should know with leopard geckos, you can go from freaking a hundred of them to 10,000 of them in like three years. If you really like less than three years, probably two years, um, if you really wanted to. And, um, you know, probably the initial one was, you know, between 100 and 200 animals, I would think. I, I don't know the exact number. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, I, I, I gave them a bunch for some other things, you know, in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what he started with. And then he, he basically, like, held back, I think, everything he produced that first year. And then from there like bred those and i'm like brian do you realize how many that's gonna be like that's gonna be a lot of freaking <laughs> animals dude like you are gonna kill three employees doing that um mm-hmm. so and i think you know now he's definitely like calmed down because he sees how many they actually will produce um and I, you know yeah. it's like rob said it's pretty easy to do so yeah i remember talking to him after i think it was like that first massive year of production when he when he was starting to sell the stuff where he's like i don't think i ever want to do this again like on this number and at this number and i was like i'm not surprised i'm surprised it took you this long to come to that moment mm-hmm. yeah because it's like what people don't realize is like the more you produce the more you have to feed and it's like you don't want to grow all those animals up to 30 grams because you already have so much money into them with food um oh especially God. if you're wholesaling like he was at the time um so it's one of those things where like it can be very profitable or you can lose your butt like producing leopard geckos um so with me like i would always weed out the the cheap stuff early and not even really grow it up there's always wholesalers that would want it um and you know especially like projects that were you know test breeding certain genetics or whatever you get rid of those early because like there's no need to raise them up let somebody else do that for you yeah yeah for sure for sure sheesh shout out to you brian barchek for your crazy leopard gecko (laughs) desires (laughs) (laughs) Um, so i uh i want to run this ad uh for our sponsor really quick and then uh, i want to talk about this this awesome uh jaunt that you got to take with barchek to to north carolina Uh, all right sounds good really quick y'all hang tight we'll be back in about 90 seconds black box cages located in buford georgia is your one-stop shop for all of your caging and rack needs Owners Jen and Clint are at the helm of this fantastic company. With one of the shortest lead times in cage and rack manufacturing, Black Box can satisfy anyone's needs. From baby racks to V70s, arboreal and terrestrial caging to deep-fronted bioactive enclosures. You can find everything you need right here. New enclosure sizes and products are added frequently to their availability, so be sure to check back often. Black box cages have tons of customizing options for lighting and heating. Along with that, cages and racks can be stacked with metal stacking dowels, and all cage joints are datoed for improved durability and stability. 
Most cage units are flat packed, but are pre-assembled prior to shipping to ensure a solid build every time. The Micro, XC18, XT3, BioG, and 3-Stack V70 ship assembled, and all other racks are shipped freight and assembled. The XR16 and XR20 model racks allow keepers to mix and match tubs. Fitting both Vision and Freedom Breeder tubs, you can mix the V15, V18, and V35S tubs, or the FB5, FB8, and FB35CV SC tubs. This kind of flexibility allows keepers to raise their animals from hatchling to juvenile or sub-adult size before needing to upgrade into adult caging. Don't just take our word for it. Go to their website to see countless customer reviews and review videos from keepers all over. To learn more about Black Box Cages, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Black Box Cages, and of course their website, www.blackboxcages.com. Links to their socials and website will be available in the podcast description. Bam. So massive shout out again to Black Box Cages. Um, I've finished setting up most of my cages that they made for me for these Amazon tree boas, and I'm absolutely loving them. So go check them out. <coughs> Tell them you heard about them on the Reptile Talk podcast. Um, heck yeah. Go get some dope ass cages. Uh, all right. Before we jump into this topic, just want to give a shout out to Jay Hill Jr., for the super chat support us arc and cheers to reptile talk and cheers to you man and absolutely we want to be supporting us arc um we mentioned at the beginning of the show what's uh what's going on of course north carolina is still dealing with our stuff uh we have two more days for public comment for the north carolina tegu ban and native species importation changes and all that stuff so please go over to usarc.org and uh and check out what they have posted there um two more days that's all we got left for public comment so we need everybody on board for that um okay so matt we got well you you and i got a phone call uh about doing some filming with with mr barcheck mr man yes we did yes um, we did down here in north carolina and um unfortunately it didn't happen the first time (laughs) uh because of because of coronavirus it, uh, it, <laughs> so it it uh it got screwed. Well, oh, I mean I mean honestly we got invited in December is whenever it was supposed to happen. And then That's it's true. like then it got pushed off to the first of the year and then right. it was then the Rona and then it actually happened. So it was it was a yeah. long time a long process for sure. It def it definitely was. And then so the last time when it actually happened, uh I had the Rona so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't take part, and you guys couldn't come hang, which I was super bummed about. But uh, thank God I'm better now. So just come back, you know, just come on, yeah, come on yeah, back anytime, down, you know, anytime. But uh, so for me, not that bad of a drive. It was like I think about three hours would have been my drive. I was chilling, I was cool. But you and Brian had like well into many digits of hours of driving. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, luckily, so. When I was first coming out for the first a- attempt of getting out there, uh, right as I was about to turn on the highway, Brian called me and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm driving. He's like, cool, you should turn around. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. How, you, but you were like way more into the drive. You were a, a couple hours in at that time, right? So, so basically, um, 
yeah, the, the, the story basically goes like, we actually were going to go a day later than Brian. Brian was already down there, yeah, obviously. Right. Um, and then I had, I, I have a car and my whole thing that I was responsible for was some huge reticulated pythons from nerd. So I actually had to rent a car and then I was on my way up to nerd and Brian gave me a call and he was like, he's like, dude, like I tested positive. Um, but as of right now, the shoot is still on. And he was like, you're going to have to do it without me. And I'm like, fuck, because <laughs> honestly, like, you know, this was more of a, like, uh, me helping a friend out. Like, I didn't want any like credit for doing it. And I'm sure you're the same way. And this was like yeah. Brian's like thing. And like the whole way up to nerd, I'm like, motherfucker, like this sucks so bad for him. <laughs> um, and Honestly, yeah. like, you know, I, I just felt awful. Um, so I get up to nerd and of course, like I get there and stuff starts to get interesting, like from, you know, getting the snakes. Cause I was like, all right, I need three reticulated pythons, big friendly. And when was the last time they ate? And <laughs> you know, they're all looking around like, when do we feed these guys last? And I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, guys, come on. Like, you got to know, like, when you fed them last. Um, finally, like, Kevin comes, and then we get, like, stuff situated and get these animals packed up. And, you know, they were, um, you know, that, that part was easy. And then we had to take them from upstairs to downstairs to load them in the car. And they're heavy, and it's, you know, cold and icy out. and So that was fun. New England. Um, New England. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, New England. Um, so get in the car, start driving down the road, get another call from Barcheck. Barcheck's like, turn around, take the snakes back. Like, it's been postponed. And I'm like, motherfucker. Because basically what I was going to do, so I live in Connecticut, and it's like two hours, 15 minutes to get to Nerd. And that's north, the opposite fucking direction of where I needed to go. <laughs> and then I was going to come back down to my place, um, and, and, you know, kind of start the drive from there. So, you know, fast forward another week, you have COVID. Um, I get a call from Brian on Tuesday and he's like, Hey, the shoots this Friday. Can you do it? And I'm like, um, let me go tell work to fuck off real quick. And then, uh, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, basically i asked work and they were like they were really cool about it because like they know that this was in the process for a while and um mm -hmm. you know they they also thought that it was cool a, a cool opportunity for me to go do this um and uh you know went and rented a car you know that lunch break um so wednesday drove up to nerd got the snakes packed came back down to my place and if you live in the Northeast, you know, you don't want to be going through New York City anytime between like four and six. <laughs> so I was like, yes. well, let me just anytime. hang out here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me just hang out here and, um, you know, I'll make sure that the car stays warm. Like, you know, because I'm not logging them all the way into the house and then just to log them out, out back again. Because, mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the snakes that I had was probably uh, probably 100 pounds. It was the albino, the big albino retic from from nerd. So it's, it's probably 100 pounds ish. Um, and, uh, you know, got back home, kind of did last minute things on the animals, stuff like that, and then headed out. Um, uh, you know, my son actually lives like an hour and a half away and I actually stopped by his place because it was kind of on the way. And I was like, you know, just kind of, you know, give him a hug, say goodbye. 
got to go do Mr. Beast. And he was like, that's so cool, daddy. Like, bring me back an <laughs> autograph. And, um, you know, so. Weird because he's was, 27 years old, so he doesn't talk. He doesn't need to talk like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, he's not that old. He's only 10. So <laughs> I'm not that old. Everybody's trying to make me out to be fucking old as shit. I'm only 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. Um, so, um, you know, stopped by there, gave him a hug, um, continued on the road, um, got down to Delaware, um, and was like, it's midnight. And I'm like, and that was kind of the goal was get halfway and then take, you know, get a hotel room. So got a hotel room, um, brought the animals in, you know, next morning, bring the animals back out, drive the remaining like seven hours back down there. And, you know, you want to hit it. So you're not hitting dc traffic either so like it's yeah. it's all about timing like trying to make that drive um and you know got down there around like i think it was like 2 two thirty, and and at this point barcheck was already at the because he had gone down the day before tested negative he got to go to the studio because he had to check out the set make sure it was all good for the snakes because that's our biggest thing whenever we do stuff like this um that probably a lot of people don't understand it's not about like you know, it's about, you know, making sure the animals are good too. Like we got to, you know, do what's best for the animals and stuff. And that's the cool part about the Mr. Beast situation is they're, um, they don't use them as like a scare thing, um, which you guys can all go watch the video. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it would scare a lot of people, but they're, they're not portraying them as like these monsters that are going to fucking kill you. Um, which is, which is awesome because like their audience, yeah, their audience is like, you know, 10 to 15 probably is like their biggest audience. So the more we can portray them in a good light, like, you know, the better off it's going to be. Um, but anyway, we, you know, I get down there, I go COVID test first because Barcheck's at the studio and then I was going to meet him at the hotel. Mm -hmm. So I go meet him at the hotel. Um, and you know, he's five minutes out and I'm like, I'm going to wait for him to get these snakes in. Cause like they're heavy and. I could use some help. Um, <laughs> so I'm waiting, and then all of a sudden he pulls in. And he's like, "What you doing for the next couple of days?" And I'm like, "Why?" Because <laughs> you know we were supposed to shoot Friday, be home Saturday, and like that's what I was planning on. Um, and yeah. you know this is this is third or um, no, this was Thursday, I think. I don't even remember what fucking day it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was Thursday. It was Thursday because I did a lot of the drive Wednesday, Thursday, get down. Um, so he's like, yeah, like, uh, they want to shoot on Monday instead because they're, you know, they're still not ready. And I'm like, well, I guess we're staying here for the weekend then. Um, you know, they, the Mr. Beast crew is very good. They, they put us up in a nice hotel and stuff. Actually, um, you know, the hotel that we went to originally, they didn't have internet. So the mm. Wi-Fi was down. So Barchek's a mm. daily vlogger and he's like, I can't live like this. Um, so <laughs> we switched, we switched. We switched hotels, um, which, you know, that's kind of like some of the Hollywood in today's video. Like, that actually wasn't the hotel we actually stayed at. Um, uh, <laughs> so, um, which is funny, because, like, later on, whenever the snakes are coming out of the building, you can tell it's a different hotel. But, like, probably most people, will, you know, they won't see that. But There, there um, definitely should have been a clip of Brian, like, there's no Wi-Fi. I can't live like this. What is going on? <laughs> Are we in some third world country? What the yeah. hell? Um, yeah, so... Uh, Just moon in the Hilton or whatever the hotel was. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we went to the Hilton. The Hilton was fucking... It was nice. Okay, all right, was, good, good, good. Nice. Shout out um, to you, Hilton. You let Brian yeah, live Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, 
so we we get to the new hotel get everything um taken care of um and then you know because the snakes had to stay a couple extra days um we made some uh you know the mr b staff made some adjustments so that they could be housed more comfortably let's put it that way um they weren't in the the small tubs um the whole time um which was amazing like like i said they were they were world class whole way um and um you know they they actually built um enclosures for some of the bigger snakes which is pretty fucking awesome um, put them in the bathroom like build up the bathtub yeah. and close the door <laughs> yeah put a little like, thing so... on the door that says staff don't come in here yeah <laughs> exactly exactly you will get a big surprise if you come yeah. in here yeah um so disturb. so so that part was like really really awesome for them to do um they even like you know they, they they cranked up the heat in that room to make it comfortable for the snakes um so it that was that was awesome um you know and then the other thing was you know we had to kill friday saturday sunday so you know and brian vlogs every freaking day so like they needed something to to film um so you know as soon as we found out it wasn't happening we're we're literally like on our phones like trying to find any animal place within three mile radius of it that would let us come film something um and uh that's whenever we you know we reached out to obx um the lizard uh lizard land or ranch or one of those two um very cool place very nice people um so friday we went and filmed there and that was two and a half hours away, you know, after we've been in the car for fucking 10 <laughs> plus hours, both of us. What's, what's another um, two and a half? You yeah. Know, what's another, another yeah. two and a half? Oh, well, it, yes, wait. That was, that gets, was the, no, that I was know, the it gets morning. Better. That was it gets the morning. <laughs> <laughs> so we drive two and a half hours to the coast. We do the, we film there. Very cool place. Got to feed some emus. Like they had, they had some really cool stuff. It was, if you're in that area, it's definitely worth going. Um, you know, tell them we sent you. And, um, then, um, you know, Brian had uh, uh, Dennis at the Virginia Zoo um, as a as a as a hookup, and Hell so yeah. we drive half an hour, forty five minutes north to another fucking state, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we go to the zoo in Virginia. He meets us there. It's 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 a little bit later in the day. It's probably like two thirty, three o'clock. Um, super accommodating to us. Walked us around the whole place. Their reptile house is fucking amazing um it's yeah. yeah exactly i told got, i told dennis yeah. that, that uh, rob and i needed to plan a trip up there asap graze yeah. monitor that's all i yeah, have the to graze say monitor. Graze monitor. yeah yeah i got to see that thing in person um yeah. their siamese i think it's a siamese croc that's in there that exhibit's fucking awesome they even have Man another chains. room yeah they, they have another room that they can shift the siamese off exhibit um which is fucking awesome and it even has a pool oh, in it man. too so That's it's not cool. just like a normal shift and then they have a window so you can see the animal in the shift which is which is oh, also damn. cool Hell um yeah. and then then you can kind of explain like why like there's the shift area and stuff like that for safety or whatever and you know it's 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 cool for training the animal as well um and then they have um you know they have four species of tree monitors just like i do um which was super cool um you know they said they had some really cool green tree pythons actually they had this one aru animal that was probably the prettiest aru i've ever seen um definitely a lot of white but it also had like a little bit of yellow coming up the sides like it was it was awesome um yeah it was it was 
it was weird. It almost looked like it might have been a cross, but not really because it was smaller too. So like, um, yeah, it, it was it was a, it was just a cool looking animal. It was probably one of my you know favorite animals seeing there. Um, and then they had um, uh, all the cages are you know done by the same company. Um, they're on these huge casters that they can move them around. Their module, which like to me as a zookeeper, that's freaking amazing. Um, so if you ever want to like change something out, you just move it. Um, the, you know, the King Cobra has a nice cool shift that, um, is a shift box that they can actually isolate the shift box and the enclosure itself. Um, so that if it ever has to go, you know, for a procedure, like for a zoo check or like a vet checkup, um, it, it can just be carried in the box that's a shift, which is pretty awesome. Um, so just a lot of cool stuff. Um, and, you know, we got to see behind the scenes of all of it. And then we got to go, um, you know, kind of do like a quick tour of like the zoo, like their, their um, giraffe and rhino building was one of the coolest of those buildings that I've ever seen. And apparently it can, you know, take like the worst hurricane fucking imaginable um, because it, it's literally, you know, he said that it was like cement blocks with rebar in it and then cement <laughs> poured down into that. So like it, it could take a bomb probably um so you know just very very cool zoo um and then you know then we had to drive two and a half hours back and then um the next day like we were all kind of sitting around what are we doing tomorrow because like sunday it's supposed to be an ice storm um and then that's whenever mm -hmm. i was like well brian there's a reptile show would you want to go to it and he's like oh reptile show i don't know like um but you know we we we, we talked him into it and um, you know, that's where we got to meet Rob at and hang out with Rob for a little bit. Um, very small show, but like a, a cool show at the same time. Um, everybody was super friendly. And, you know, I think that was, you know, Brian's like biggest reservation about going to another show again was, um, you know, just how he would be received and stuff like that. And um, because of all the hatred that he's had, you know, years ago. And um, it was nice that they were all like really, really chill about it and then sunday we had the ice storm so we just kind of sat around and did nothing and then um then monday was the filming day um and that was a long day um they didn't really start filming until four o'clock and then we got done around nine and then at that point we're like why even drive a couple hours just to stay in a hotel so we just <laughs> stayed down there um because it was it was still covered by mr beast too so like you know might as well have the free hotel room instead of paying another one for you know because they had already paid for the room so um and then we both got up um tuesday morning i drove 11 straight hours i think brian drove like 12 13 um and then i got home um you know around six o'clock at night and it was it was actually perfect because we left at seven i didn't hit traffic the whole way like because i yeah. i got through dc like right after rush hour and then got through New York City right before rush hour. So it was like perfect timing. Um, got through, got home around six, unloaded the animals into my place, um, and then had to take the animals back to Nerd the next day. Um, so that's another four and a half hours um, of Round driving. Two, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, by the by the end, you're just mentally and physically exhausted. And just <laughs> you're, you're just like, that was really cool. But like, yeah, it was Holy it was crap. a lot. Yeah. yeah exactly and that's that's just brian's normal fucking during the week um so yep. it's it's amazing how how much he, he actually does and what 
you know, a lot of it, like you'll never see because like, you know, you can't put it all in a video, honestly. Um, but he's, he, I, I, I would probably say he's one of the hardest working people in the industry for sure. Just because of everything that he's got to do. Oh yeah, dude, for sure. I mean, he's, he's even said it on, on his podcast, you know, like there's, you, you know, you might be super dedicated, but he, you're not going to outwork him. No, there's, there's no freaking way you're going to outwork him. I mean, yep. Yeah, I think I think just about every time I've ever gone to visit him, we've had to go to Home Depot at least once. And he's like, "Hey, come on, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna need help with stuff." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I didn't come here to go to Home Depot with you, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, one, of the, the, one of the last the, times I had to like go help him get some doors when he was still building out downstairs and stuff. <laughs> Jesus. Well, and then it, it, the other crazy part that a lot of people don't like know about him, like the house that he lives in, he built himself. Yeah. Like it, it like and he was just like, Yeah, if I didn't know something, I just went to fucking Lowe's or Home Depot and just asked and you know, figured it out. And it's like yeah. he built his damn house. Like none <laughs> of us could do that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was still while he was, you know, breeding snakes. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just craziness. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely an, an overachiever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. So if you if you guys haven't already go seen uh have seen that Mr. Beast video, go check that out. And then and then we're gonna do a little plug. Hey. The candy bars. Yeah. Mr. These are Beast actually really freaking good. Um here <laughs> wait. I gotta go this way. Um so they have almond, they've got quinoa crunch, and they have regular. So like these uh, mm. chocolate bars, um, they only have like four or five ingredients in them. So they're not filled with a bunch of like crap. Um, and uh, they're actually, they taste like a mixture between dark chocolate and milk chocolate, which mm. is kind of interesting. And honestly, like they're, they're super good. Like I would actually, I would probably take one of these over a Hershey bar. Like they're that good. Damn. And I'd say something because Hershey. Yeah, because Hershey's are pretty freaking good, and these things are these things are pretty awesome. So, Damn. and I got to watch twenty five thousand of them fall from the ceiling. So, yeah, Jesus, yeah. In the video, if you can go, you can go check it out. Like they literally oh my have, God. um, they they had a forklift, had these buckets <laughs> that literally like they forklifted it up twenty feet in the air because this building is huge, like it's the size of Walmart. Um, that had the the studio, and um, yeah, they dumped twenty five thousand candy bars into the room, um, and it was to release the candy bars. Basically, um, it's like a plug for their candy bar. A plug for the that just got bar. released today. Yeah, so I got Damn. to get these candy bars before anybody else, which is kind of cool. That's cool. People died. Thirty seven people injured. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, death by candy I mean, bar. That that was kind of the cool part about everything is like you know they they had um, they had two goats which were freaking awesome they were like these little small miniature goat guys um, one was a fainting goat but we didn't we didn't see which one was a fainting goat we didn't scare them um, <laughs> but uh, yeah they had uh, I mean I can talk about this because like the videos out they had like the Minecraft room where they literally set off a bomb um, but that's amazing. You know, hot, Hollywood magic and safety. We we all evacuated the building whenever the bomb <laughs> went off. But um, 
it, it, did, it doesn't look like that in the video. It looks like, you know, we're there, but um, yeah. yeah, it, it was, it was, it was cool. It was loud. I mean, it, cause it was, yeah. you know, it, it blew some shit up, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I mean, just the attention to detail, like at this place was ridiculous. Like there's, there's a scene, if you guys watch the video, there's there. So it's the world's hardest escape room basically, or, or, you know, hardest or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and one of the rooms was a library and we're talking like the walls are 20 feet high and it's full of books. And like, this room is like big. I mean, there was probably 20,000 books like easily like, and they're, and they're real. So it's like just the, just the detail that goes into something like that, like, um, you know, is, is crazy. And it's like, where the hell did you get all these books? Like, and what are you going to do with them after? (laughs) So um so yeah it, it was it was a really cool experience and you know i'm i'm definitely glad i got to be part of it for sure heck yeah dude i when when uh when brian first mess or hit me up about about doing the whole the whole shoot i i'm not i don't watch much youtube so i'm not really hip to who's who's cool and who's you know trending or whatever but uh, so I was like, well, I guess I should do a little bit of research before going out there and whatever. So I started watching a bunch of his videos and like, you're right, man. It, 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 from just the videos alone, it looks like there's so much attention to detail that gets put in to every single video. And it's like expenses almost like not even a thought. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I watched some video where he's like, I bought like 40 cars and now we're just going to like go give them to people. And I'm like, yeah, what? What are you? Yep. What? <laughs> or or where he buys the whole grocery store and gives yes. away the charity yeah. like you know Dude literally that, walked into a GameStop and it's like how much can i buy it like can i just buy everything in this store like even the shelves even the shelving units i'm like <laughs> what the hell dude how do you how does one react to somebody saying that like yeah what when he went into the grocery store and they're like he was like uh yeah, after talking with the manager, we realized for the community's sake, I shouldn't buy everything in the store. So I bought half <laughs> the store. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. what? And, and it's, uh, you know, the other part that's crazy is you see, like, all this money being spent, but he he puts equally as much into philanthropy, um, which is even cooler. Yeah. I mean, you know, like how he raised um, enough money to take uh, 30 million pounds of plastic out of the ocean. Like that's fucking awesome. I mean, and then he planted uh, for his twenty million followers. It was twenty million trees. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of philanthropy stuff. And if you kind of look into it, um, apparently he has Crohn's disease, and you know he doesn't oh, wow. know how long he's gonna fucking live. You, you know what I mean? Like you know, you can live a while with it, but you can also like it can be it can wreck you. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it it just he, he's one of those people that like he wants to give back you know at the same time as as being like the biggest youtuber on the fucking planet um and then the other cool thing that he's doing now is he's got he's got like five or six like channels in english and then mm-hmm. did you see how like now like he's got them in russian indian spanish like all of his channels oh, no, are in all the that. other languages yeah so like he i think he's up to like something crazy like probably close to 20 channels or something right now because he does have all the channels in other languages as well. So, um, you know, and, and a lot of people don't realize, but India actually watches more YouTube than we do. So um, it's it's really crazy. Like, he could blow up even over there 
and be making so much more. So, and I think that's the goal is like, you know, being the, the biggest YouTuber on the fucking planet. And that's, that's awesome. So hell yeah. That's, that's yeah. like a, ne- that's like next level dedication to social media. Yeah. Man. Like seriously. Yeah. That's bananas. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's shit that we wouldn't even be able to comprehend, honestly. Nah. Like it's, nah, nah, I'm yeah, like, here's an extra ridiculous. buck. Go get yourself McDouble. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> two two apple pies for a dollar. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it's man. uh it was it was definitely a cool experience though. <laughs> but and then I saw somebody yeah. put up there well, like hopefully... what, what was the uh oh what was the my favorite species to work with? Um I like the tree monitors, oh, they're the really comments? cool. And it's like it. yeah. And it's uh the tree monitors are super cool. They're really smart. Um, but each of the species are like pretty different too, even though they're, you know, they're the same other than color. Um, like the blues are super shy. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I actually have to have a camera on them just to make sure they're all eating and stuff like that. Cause, um, they're, they are in a, like a group together. Um, and then, you know, how like the, I have a little, little green tree and, or a little, yeah, a little green tree monitor and, you know, she'll come right out of the cage, run up my arm, take food, and then right back in. Um, and then the blacks are also really cool. They're a little, a little bit more shy as well. The yellows are pretty. Uh, um, they're they're not too too shy actually. So, um, but I would I would say the monitors are super cool. But the monkey tail skinks are just a, a whole other level of because um, they they don't act like reptiles. Like they act like mammals right. in a lot of ways. Um, they, they communicate like in, you know, with tongue flicks and stuff like that. And, um, it's actually really weird. You can actually, if one is like super scared and like kind of flaring up at you, if you stick your tongue out at them a couple times, they like calm back down. Um, it's super fucking strange, but they're monkey tail skinks. They're reptile sloths. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, that can, that can bite your shit off. Like if they want, like, bro. Okay. So. I re- sloths can too. Yeah, sloths definitely can too. I I remember uh, Mike Curtin having monkey tails at a white plane show, and uh, he had it on his head, right? And and Mike it Mike is bald, so he just had it like on his head. And I remember walking past uh, his table maybe twenty minutes later, and it wasn't on his head anymore. And I was like, oh man, what happened? And he like takes off his hat, and you just see this giant bite mark on the back of his head. And I was like, ooh. Oh god. <laughs> like, yeah. Not interested yeah. in that at all. No. <laughs> I I actually have a, I actually have a video of one of my um it was probably a year and a half old at the time and mm. I was feeding it a, a like a baby carrot. And you know how like hard those things are to break. It literally yeah. snapped it right in half like yeah. nothing. And it's just yeah. like animal that's like 200 grams to like snap a fucking baby carrot in half like you know there's some fucking bite for it like whenever i'm a 200 pound human and it's hard to, for me to break right, it and you're like, like and then, yeah <laughs> like, like, yeah that would be that would suck real bad but yeah yeah so, oh my gosh <laughs> yep damn damn all right so we are rounding out our time together but we always ask our guests one final question. Uh, so, Matt, Uh-oh. that question is, what What in the realm of reptiles, be it something on you saw on social media, something in your own collection, uh, what in the realm of reptiles has got you excited about reptiles? Um, honestly, like, 
and this isn't to like inflate myself at all, but it's like, um, I'm excited with my personal collection because it's like, um, it sounds pretty yeah, self-inflating. It, well, no, no, <laughs> because like, it, it's one of those things where, um, like for probably six years, I struggled with, you know, keeping reptiles because of, you know, how I got out of the hobby and stuff like that. And I mean, right. probably like Rob could even attest to this whenever I was up at nerd, like working up there, like I was very like, you know, kind of hope people don't realize who the fuck I am. Um, and <laughs> yeah. that's, that's kind of weird. Like where, you know, you were, you could be such a public figure for so long. And then all of a sudden you just don't even want people to know who you are. Um, and I think like now, like it's, it's finally coming back and like, you know, being on shows like this and like, I did that 10 part series on leopard geckos and, yes. um, you know, it's, it, it's great to be like part of the community again, because I felt like, you know, kind of like Brian, where like, you feel like the community hates you. And, um, it's one of those things where like, you know, I met so many great friends, like through the reptile industry and like, just and not just like talking reptiles with them, but just life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's one of those things that I think, especially during, you know, pandemic times and stuff like that, whenever we didn't really have much, I mean, we didn't even have shows and to be able to reach out to, um, you know, people and just talk with them about reptiles and shit. And, you know, probably Rob got super depressed whenever he couldn't do his like educational shows as much and stuff. Um, cause like, that's a big part of his life. And it's just like, you know, it's, it, it, you know, to have reptiles again and really be excited about them, um, is like a huge step for me. And I think that's one of the things that I'm most excited about here. Um, as far as like the reptile hobby or community as a whole, um, it's like, you know, you hope it goes in a, a really good direction and like some people, um, you know, start you know, doing really great things with it. I, I, I wish that zoos and private sector would work together. Like I said, um, I don't know how that would be possible, but if, if it could happen, I think, you know, major, major milestones could be reached. I mean, if you could put the best minds of both together, I mean, we, we could breed everything and literally like solve a lot of like thousands of species from extinction. Exactly. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, so, you know, something that I'm hopeful of is that, because, um, you know, you got to you got to save the animals, man. Hell yeah. And I want to I want to shout out just to just to say, because I, I think it, I love listening to the series. Um, you should check out the series that Matt did with uh, with Evan over at the Strength and Leo's podcast, um, like a whole like Matt's entire story, but also just like leopard geckos and like how all of it came to came to be it was really in-depth and uh, i i rob knows i don't listen to many podcasts at all it's it, it's hard for me to just click into talking but um that i i absolutely loved listening to that and uh, and it was great to hear more of the story because you and i have talked about a few things o- over over the years but uh to really get the full picture of it was uh mm-hmm was was quite interesting so i would definitely suggest everybody go check that out over at the strength and leo's podcast um because it, it's it's well worth it I, I appreciate that and it's uh definitely one of those things where um we we did one test episode type of thing and we didn't even scratch mm-hmm. the surface of stuff and it was you know like i said it was during covid and right at the same time um you know the last dance had come out with michael jordan and like his final season and stuff like that so we kind of like we're like 
well, what if we did like a long series about everything? And that's how we kind of came about it. And it took about a, it took about a year to get all of them done. So it, it was a long, long process for sure. Yeah. Heck yeah. <clears throat> all right, Matt. So if people want to find out more about you and, and follow what you're doing, uh, you know, if you're taking more bar check trips or, or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> where, where can they find out more about you? Okay. So the business page of Sasobek Reptiles on YouTube or on um, Facebook, it's also Sasobek Reptiles on YouTube. Um, those ones are more business ish stuff. Um, the Instagram, I'll show a little bit of, you know, my life and business stuff. That's more of like me on the daily. Um, my personal Facebook, probably don't friend request me cause I won't accept you unless I know who you are. Um, yep. I, I keep, I keep that one pretty, pretty close. Uh, I mean, I, it's probably only four or 500 people and, um, you know, it's, it's not that I don't want to be friends with everybody, but you know, there's that personal side that, um, mm -hmm. only people that I know who you actually are get to get to see that one. But yeah, the Instagram one's probably the, the one that I use the most Bam. at this point. Heck yeah, dude. Well, thank you for, for coming on, man. We appreciate us. it. Yeah. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely.